Hello, my name's Toby Haydock, although from here on in, I'm going to be played by a different actor from the one who established the role. I've been looking forward to this one, and uh, we're, we're in a public place, so apologies for the noise, but uh, I think it'll be worth it, uh, as I ask my 91st interviewee who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Yes, well, my name is Brian Croucher, and I played Borg in Robots of Death in 19... That's not the only thing you've done, but let's start with Doctor Who. Um, so, what are your memories of your two episodes? Um... You called Tom a creative terrorist on the DVD, which oh, I thought was I? a good phrase. Yeah, no, Tom, uh, he, he's another one of those actors who doesn't take any prisoners. He's a very lovable rogue, and you have to be, you have to keep up with him um, because, you know, I'm, su I'm surprised he's not been... Um, well, I don't know if he's got any relatives, but you know when they put you in a mental home, what do they call you? <laughs> yeah, they, they um, section you. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that Tom hasn't been sectioned, you know. <laughs> and, and I've just been in his favourite pub, the Coach and Horses in Soho. Yeah, that's just come from there, but he wasn't there. No. He disappeared. Disappeared. Uh, I think he's, yes, he's in Tunbridge Wells now. In Tunbridge Wells. He doesn't Wells. want there anymore. Oh, I thought it was Romney Marsh, but there we are. I know, he was a cricketer. And, um, uh, and so, and, I mean, I was looking at it, that it's, it's, it's a cast that's full of really good television faces. You, David Collings, Russell Hunter, Pamela Salem. And the thing is, you're not acting like you're in children's television, which Doctor Who is sometimes seen as. Well, no, we were, we were, we were adults, real life, on a, on a spaceship or space minor. Um, I mean, this may seem like going left of field, but I, when I teach drama and do workshops and stuff, um, that you, I've taken workshops with professional actors and with amateur actors, but the thing is, uh, you know, with the amateur actors, I treat them as professionals. And like it's like with children's TV, you can't... It's not like uh, I'm a postman and we sing songs. Uh, you know, there we are, um, doing a story for children. But you, otherwise you start patronising people, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And have, have you seen it recently? Because it's, it's held up as a, very, as a very good example of Doctor Who. Do you think it's any good? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say I was a child, although, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about nine now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, not all children watch Doctor Who, so I could say I'd, I'm a child that watches documentaries. <laughs> but do you, are you an actor that watches yourself? No, but, Toby, I have glimpsed it. And the, well, I was talking about the, the difference between television technically uh, these days, mm -hmm. you know, with the pixels and the HD and stuff like that. We were talking about Callum... Uh, uh, a spy series that I did with Edward Woodward way back in the 70s, early 70s. And um, the guy who was, was interviewing me, he said, what, what, what's the difference? I said, well, you know, Tinker Taylor, Spooks, Callan, they're all the same. It's just technically, it was, wasn't as good technically then, obviously, as it is now. 
But a lot of actors I talk to lament the passing of that television that you had the week's rehearsal uh, and it was shot multi-camera in a studio. Yeah, well, they're all alcoholics. They used to go like to go down the pub and <laughs> talk about their, their latest divorce and, you know, they've just come back from New York and... Uh, stuff like that, uh, you know, they lo- they love that, but I I don't I don't think you need to do that, you know. <laughs> so you don't think it impacts on the work? <laughs> well, I don't think you need to rehearse. You rehearse a tone. In television and film, you rehearse yourself and you come in and you say. This is the way I'm going to play it, Toby. I'm going to do terrible eye contact with you. Okay? You're intimidating me in my chair. I like oh, it. Oh, you know, he's an intimidating character. I play a lot of intimidating. I'm not frightened with about eye contact. You know, not you're going. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 you know, as an actor, that it's about. Like real life, it's like uh, choices and decisions. You're going to buy a house, you've got one, two, three. Second one, I've decided, let's buy it. Let's live together forever, Toby, you and I. Excellent. I don't worry about your, um, you know... My psoriasis. Good. Good, you're not one that judges by appearance, I like it. (laughs) I know, you're colour-coordinated. Yes, I am. For for those of you watching in black and white, my shirt's the same colour as my skin condition. Um... (laughs) Uh, and do you remember uh, the director, Michael Bryant, Michael E. Bryant? Did you work with him a lot? Yeah, I worked, I worked with him on something called Hideaway, uh, and I worked with him on Treasure Island. Um, he was good fun, um, and uh, he always, he always, there was a value in um, having fun on location and doing the work, which I believe in. You know, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not a, ter- a terribly serious thing till you're actually doing it, till you're actually making eye contact. Yeah, but you had eyeliner on as well. That was a thing. <laughs> did that? Did the, did your makeup undermine your eye contact acting? <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, I used to go out at night. I used to wear have a, have a women's dress on, but I mean, nobody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> We've just got an exclusive. Uh, and do you remember any of the cast? Cast: Russell Hunter, David Collins, David Bailey. Um. David, David Collins, I was with at one of these sci-fi um, do's a few weeks back. And uh, David Bailey, I've seen him in a few commercials. He's, he's cornered the market in Greek Shepherds, isn't he? Yeah, well, he, and he vanished for about 15 years. Yeah. Stopped well, acting. I'll tell you what, he's a bespoke carpenter. Did you know that? Uh, Del, Del, Del Henny mentioned something. Ah, on yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they drink together in Fulham. Yeah. He said, yeah, he said he could rustle me up some furniture. That's it, yeah. I, I, I don't think I feel quite right having the murderer of the sandbiner <laughs> making me a cabinet. Oh, well. Mm. Uh, uh, well, look, aside from Doc 2, you don't, let's, let's go back, back. So were you always going to be an actor, and, and, and how did you crack it? Uh, well, no, I have no connections with in my family. My mother was a dressmaker, my father was a carpenter. Um, uh, I think I had a far-flung relative that was a ventriloquist, my mother told me, but I never, ever got to meet him. And um, it's a long, long story. The sh- long and short of it is I was a bit of a delinquent, went to evening classes. Uh, they were drama, and from there I found myself in a drama school. So it was all by default, really, um, not the <laughs> default of someone else. It was default of someone else. <laughs> But you, were you, did you find at the time, because a lot of actors at the time, you know, you come out of drama school, you lose your natural accent, you have to do all of that. And you I never, I've never done, done that, that Lord. Toby, yeah. that, what, what I speak today, my, 
my bry speak is my speak. I've never, I'm not terribly good at, um, you know, I don't, because in the end you find, you find yourself playing your three people. You're Brian the Cockney, you're now Brian the speaking, you know, and now you're the character. And you quite, can't quite work out who you are and, and you end up just doing the accent that I can't do anyway. If that makes sense. It does, it does. So you never felt... Did, did casting directors, people, ever sort of try and suggest look, to you that you should? No, look, look round the station now, look. You look round there. Uh, I could play that bloke over there, the station bloke. I could, the bloke selling tickets. I could play that builder coming up. You know, I can play all those parts. I don't need to play vicars and solicitors. That's someone else. Sure, sure. And you say you were a bit of a delinquent, but I, I have the last person I interviewed was an actress called Gillian Martell, who actually said you were an absolute gentleman because she had found herself stuck having gone out with Nigel Hawthorne and she said he, he found someone he found interesting, which I think was a euphemism, and you escorted her and make sure she got back to her hotel. Oh, lovely Gillian. Yeah, we were at the Royal Court together. Nigel Hawthorne, Gillian, yes. Yeah, I remember Gillian. She's a wonderful actress, absolute great, great theatre theater actress. She, on stage, she held it. Charisma, strength. Um, but that's, that's beautiful. Thank you, Gillian. You don't know the dark side of me, darling. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we frequently, when we speak, you know, when actors of your ilk are spoken to, the, 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 the theatre gets forgotten a lot. What have been some of your highlights on the stage? Well, I mean, um, uh, actors of the theatre—they've either worked a lot at the National, or a lot at the RSC, or, in my case, a lot at the uh, Royal Court. I spent, uh, in the 60s and 70s, I did something like a dozen or so productions, 60s, 70s, 80s, at the Royal Court. That was my apprenticeship uh, as an actor. And I, th I think it's unfortunate and sad that a lot of the young actors don't get that these days, you know, because the reps have all closed down, we all know. Uh, repertory companies share a show, you know, it goes from one theatre to another. They're, and they're receiving houses, they're not homebred uh, three weekly rep shows. Uh, and I think um, there's a lot to be learnt from being in the theatre. I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man, but discipline is a word that we, that we, uh, we light upon. And I think when you have to be at the theatre, when the rag goes up at 7.30, you have to be there. And when it says, listen, I told you not to come here, that's my first line. I have to be there at 7.30, not turn up late, because people have paid 15 quid to see me say, I told you not to come here. <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy the stage work? I do. I've enjoyed it more than, um, more than film and television. Uh, I enjoy all... I, listen, I enjoy being an actor. I wouldn't have done it for... 40 plus years um, but you know Toby that when you're on the stage it's, it's you it's, the creative process is all you you're not really relying you're only relying on somebody to put those funny lights on and, and to put that train beep beep and then you know seagulls you struck me as the sort of actor that Joe Littlewood would have uh, 
encouraged yeah, and used. I, I was a little bit late. I was a, a, yeah. the, the stalk flew around Birmingham three times and then dropped me in the East End of London. <laughs> Shame. Shame. Well, you seem, and for some reason, you seem to have done a lot of sci-fi. We're to talk about Doc Two, but of course, Blake Seven is pretty iconic. Is that a show you remember? You, did you enjoy doing Blake Seven? It must be odd taking over from someone else. Um, the, the thing is, you have to find a way. Uh, new Noto, being any actors listening to this, if if you're still alive and interested, I'm. I'm on my last legs, but I'm sipping a glass of wine. No, you, you have to make the best of any job, whether it's a corporate, um, a radio, uh, uh, a Hollywood feature. Well, we could all make the best of a Hollywood feature, couldn't we? Um, so you find a way. Uh, and uh, there's varying degrees of like and dislike about any job. Uh, and... Uh, you know, Blake Seven was another job. I was very grateful. You know, it's it's like a taxi fare. If you're a taxi driver, if you're sitting there, you've got people walking by, you might get... But if you've not got a fare after half an hour, so you get a fare to take you somewhere else, that might get you another fare. You know, if it's... if you, And jobs, you know, you only need one job. You know that, Toby. And they go, Toby, yes! We'd have him playing the assistant dustman. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that call. We won't uh, elevate you to, <laughs> to foreman yet. But was it was it an enjoyable job? It was in parts. Um, it's well known that there was um, there was a director on there that I I disliked intensely. It was because he he treated actors abominably, and especially me, George Benson, Spencer Foster. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been diplomatic for me to knock him out, but, you know, uh, and he was an alcoholic and uh, generally not somebody that I would like uh, to spend uh, any time with. Uh, there we are. You know, he's dead now, I can say that. I wouldn't yeah. say it when he was alive. But um, Have you ever knocked anybody out? Yes, I have, yeah. Overacting? Yes. Uh, I mean, not over. You yeah. weren't overacting. I mean, no, no, no. I have. I've, I've had. I've had, Yeah, somebody. Um, somebody. I won't tell. You, I won't go into names, but he started improvising, and the director encouraged him to improvise. And uh, you know, there, there are certain. I need a line from you to say. Um, you know. Uh, your taxi's outside, sir. And before I say, okay. let him wait. But if you improvise and improvise and you walk in and trip over and then have a glass of wine and then don't say your tax is outside, sir, I can't get off stage, can I? And that, that happened, so uh, when we went off, I knocked him out. Did you get in trouble? Yeah, I got a sack, but it was worth it. <laughs> well, um, you... <laughs> I don't quite know. I, I felt honest about it. Yeah. I felt, I felt honest. I, uh, it was... Um, you know, it was a case of the director not being in charge of her show. And now she's a big, big leading light in the creative world. Um, and uh, in terms of being a director, she was wrong. I've got witnesses. I've got witnesses. <laughs> Uh, we must get, um, as we're on science fiction... Uh, yeah, what time have you got plenty to go? Plenty of time, plenty oh. of time. Um, uh, Quatermass. Yeah, Quatermass. Uh, yeah. You had a big shaggy beard in that. A big shaggy almost like the one I've got now. But, yeah, the Quatermass, the Wembley Stadium. Uh, 
I didn't know too much about it, but um, uh, what's his name? Piers Haggard. Yeah. Ryder Haggard. Grandson. Yeah. You know that. What? Is he quite posh? Uh, not that posh, you know. I mean, as posh as a lot of the BBC directors were. I mean, Michael Bryant was quite posh. I think he was a public schoolboy because uh, we, he said uh, everybody has to turn up tomorrow in fancy dress. And he turned up as, in a little cap on and short trousers and uh, a funny shirt and tie, like from prep school. And uh, I thought it was a bit odd, but he, that's how he saw himself, you know. Um, but uh, Pierce Haggard, uh, quite a mass. Um, Wembley Stadium, all covered in white yeah. stuff. And you're a yeah, I don't. And I had this one scene, only one scene really, with um, John Mills, and uh, I didn't, I didn't find him a lovey really. I didn't find him an actore. I, I mean, obviously, he'd done lots and lots from Morning Departure onwards. You know, um, all the black and white films and. Uh, God knows what else, but he, he wasn't—he wasn't somebody. I, I suppose he'd—he'd he'd, um, he'd be good in a conversation with Dickie Attenborough, but with me, um, I don't think he was really interested. I don't think he knew who I was really. I, I was just the security guard. So you didn't keep in touch. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've, uh, I've been looking for his email. I've been looking for him on. Um, Facebook. Facebook, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as John Mills came up in Australia... And, I think he goes through LinkedIn. I think if you're on that, it's a more professional... <laughs> LinkedIn, <network>. yeah. MySpace, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what a bit... I mean, I'm just... I mean, all of the... It's, it's difficult when you talk to an actor like yourself. I mean, I can bring so many things to mind, like Rockcliffe's Babies and Edge of Darkness and all of those, but I don't know which are the ones that stick in your mind the most, so maybe you should lead me a bit into the, um, the most enjoyable or the most memorable? Or... Well, uh, the, 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 the uh, six-parter I did with Tom Bell, I always go back to that out, Frank Ross's out. Um, that really allowed me six episodes of a series of a character that was real. Um, it came from South London, where I'd lived the second half of my, my life before. You know, I bought in the East End in Hackney, but lived in South London, so knew about it. Um, well written by lovely Trevor Preston uh, and directed by the late uh, Jimmy Goddard. Uh, I really, really enjoyed myself, and, uh, and it was great to be with a workmanlike actor like Tom. He, he worked hard and he drank hard. That's all I can say about Tom, and I was I was happy when I was in the company, working with him and drinking with him. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people he didn't get on with, or they didn't get on with him, but we got on all right. And um, he, he was he was a you know he was he he changed English acting. You know we we all used to uh, you think maybe Michael Caine and Terence Stamp did. You know the, the American style of acting, yeah. like uh, Pacino and De Niro and Heat and Taxi Driver and all that. Tom did that. He he moved us into that area because there's a great story where we were um, 
we were there, and, and Tom, right, he talked to you like this. Um, I want to know, I want to know where my wife's living now, okay? And my son, where's he? Tell me, Chris, you've got to tell me. Okay, tell me. And the sound man said, so could, Tom, could you ask Tom to speak up a bit? And Tom said, tell him to turn the knob off a bit liar, you know. <laughs> get his, so. so it's that change through from what we were talking about with the way that your Doctor Who was shot, three cameras on a three-sided set, yeah. cameras getting in on the people, and more like the television we make today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, that to me is, that's if you, if you can do it, and if you've got the bottle to let the camera come there, and you're doing the scene, and leaving the camera there, and you're nodding away, and then you say, well, f*** you, you know, well, you're close up there, Toby. You've done it. Don't nod too much, though, because you'll be nodding out. You've <laughs> nodding out of frame. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, I truly believe that Tom led us that way. Yes, we're getting, this is tragic, we can't see this. We're getting an acting master, an on-screen acting masterclass on the radio. <laughs> um, so, OK, well, you mentioned Tom, and you obviously you know your actors and you like your actors. Who, which other actors that you've worked with have you sort of gone, oh, my God, this is, this is somebody who really knows what they're doing? Do you know, I'm... I can't. I'm not very. I'm not. Because because that was a crossroads in my life as an actor. You know, I attribute that a lot to Tom. And um, I'm going to change it slightly here because my wife always goes, "Where have we seen him? And where have we seen her? And what what does she do?" And I say, "I don't. I don't know. I don't care. I, I actually." don't want to know about actors because you know Toe, because you're a writer as well that we tell stories I'm only interested in the writer the actor helps the writer's story and I don't want to I don't want to know if it's Sir Ian McKellen or you know Sir Ben Kingsley I don't want to know I mean I just want the story to be told to me and um, to let it you know, come to me. Um, Without so baggage. I'm, yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not a great one for actors. I'm a great one for writers. I mean... Um, so when you're, you know, doing, when you're doing something like EastEnders, could you tell there were scripts by different... Did different writers bring different things to the table? Or is that so done by committee that actually there's not an authorial voice in some uh, I don't think you could definitely say that was Ben and that was John and that was Harry. Um, but... I mean, it, every actor that's ever been in a soapy... Have you been in one yourself? Uh, not as a regular. But. No. But it, if you've been in one for a, a while, then the, the thing goes up, sharing um, conversation with other actors. They don't know about my character. I, you know, that thing about my character wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have done that. And somehow the actor is left out of the equation in a soap. And it's all done with writers, script editors, producers, and they come up with something, an Irish stew, about who you are. And it doesn't all what you think, well, wait, wait a minute, that doesn't ring true with me. Um, 
So you can't necessarily differentiate between writers, but sometimes it's things come up and it's not something you thought about as a character, you know. And was doing something like EastEnders, was that something you had to think about? Because it, it is, there is a difference being a soap actor and being an actor that goes from job to job. Um, we were talking about bringing stuff to the table and then doing it. Um, you know, in a feature film, we've got this scene in St Pancras Station to do today. You're close up, a master, my close up there. Then the bottle, they've got to shoot all of that. and That might be done all in the morning. Um, but in EastEnders, for instance, you'd have 25 scenes to do in one day because the storyline is heavy on you. And it's you waiting for your stepdaughter at this bar. And they have to keep coming back to you at this bar, meeting people, talking to people, waiting, da-da-da-da. And... Um, you have to remember in one day 25 scenes and I always used to say familiarise oneself with the 25 scenes and then know that scene, what I've got to do there talking to Toby and then Toby goes then, then it's that scene where I start talking it's not her, you know what I mean wipe it um, and if you're heavy in storyline that's what you have to do um and, it's, and also, the, you know, there's, there's one, there's, there's soaps half hour with just two people. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's a completely different thing from a feature film or television. Um, it's, it's very fast and very... I mean, a, a late... Uh, a friend of mine who was um, Wendy Richards' um, brother in it, uh, an actor called Mike Atwell... He played yeah. Kiwi Kenny yeah. from uh, New Zealand, yeah. and he'd been in it. And I played Gillian Tallyfall's brother uh, a year after or something. And I said to him, "Tell me about it, Mike," because he was out. I tell me, he said, "All I could remember was almost knowing my lines." <laughs> <laughs> He was a good actor. He did a couple of Doctor Who's listeners. He was in Attack of the Cybermen and the Ice Warriors, Michael Atwell, but uh, he died quite suddenly, didn't he? He did. He, um, I, I saw Jim Carter. I, was, I, did, uh, I did something in a, a Woody Allen film and I met Jim Carter, who was uh, also a close friend of Mike's. And um, I think it was a mistake in the hospital or something, but Mike was... He wasn't a well man at the end and he... He was taking lots of pills and stuff, and Jim was really astounded with... And Mike used to smoke a lot. Uh, I don't think he ever stopped smoking. But he used to smoke menthol cigarettes, thinking that they were... Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you said because we'll we'll jump briefly back to Doctor Who because a lot of our Doctor Who chat was, I think, slightly been punctuated by the noisy gentleman opposite us oh, who right. were trying to work. They were trying to um, work out what we were doing. Um, are you all right for time? Yeah, Just no, a couple I've more questions. Ten, I've got the ten pass. It's all right. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I noticed that um, Tarek Eunice, who was in Robots of Death, yeah. you wrote his obituary for the stage. Oh, you, you, oh, Tarek, I, you. I don't. I don't tell this one very often. I, I didn't. I met him on Robots of Death. This is me after two two or three glasses of wine, telling you real stuff. She's gone. 
Brian, it's so good to meet you. I love you. I love your work and everything. See, but uh, but Tarek, oh, he was he was a character. His father was um, a police chief in Pakistan, and he didn't he, Tarek didn't add up because he was a poet and a writer and an actor. He didn't add up to a police chief's son, and uh, he came over here. And he was a—he became a great, great friend of mine. And you'd go round his place. Michael Elphick would be round there. Um, Amanda um, from New Tricks. Amanda Redmond. Redmond. She was there. I think she was with uh, Robert Glenister at yeah. the time. Yeah. And uh, and they say he'd get round there, you know, in the evening and uh, tarry, and he'd cook, you know, he'd cook curry. And he'd say, "Cat, look." Tarek, it's 12 o'clock. When, when's the curry? Oh, shut up, for God's sake, you know. Uh, a tell, incredible character. Lovely, lovely man. I mean, if I say, I don't know, you, this may... He was a great friend of Norman Beaton, the, the, the yeah. Caribbean scoundrel. Yeah, yeah. Norman. Um, so, tip pair of them together, and, you know, a few bottles of wine would be... I mean, they, they came over here at the end of... Uh, the sort of um, Richard Harris, Peter O'Toole era and carried it on for the colonies. <laughs> well, look, I think we should carry it on, but without the pressure of, uh, of, of the recorder, right. so that we've got... To, and then we can, we can do the last five minutes with just talking. Yeah. So um, the, the, the penultimate question is, what's your charity, Brian? The Terence Higgins Trust. Lovely, and I'll do a link to that in my outro. Uh, and we've nominally uh, got together to talk about Doctor Who, but all sorts of other things. But Doctor Who's 50 this year. It started the day after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So uh, what's your message to the Doctor Who fans out there? I'm still alive. And, and possibly in the 50th? Well, hopefully in the 50th. Hopefully in the 50th. Brian Croucher, thank you very much. Thank you so much. From St Pancreas Station, um, August the 2nd, 2013, over and out. Beautiful. Thank you, mate. (laughs) Hope that was all right for you. What a joy Brian Croucher at St Pancras Station was. Um, thanks to Brian. His charity is the Terence Higgins Trust, www.tht.org.uk. The next Who's Round is a real coup, one of those people that's never surfaced to speak about Doctor Who before, who's proved to have enough material for at least two uh, podcasts and goes into great detail about Doctor Who and, more importantly, a life, a working life, spent at all levels at the BBC so um, tune into that one which will be available soon in the meantime uh, follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydock uh, and do all those other internet things that help Big Finish the charities and uh, all the nice things in the world of Doctor Who Tatty bye when we got onto the location for the technical recce he'd done a shot list he never looked at the location. He just pointed at the shot list and said to me, where do I shoot this? And I went, um, uh, how about there? And he had a look and he more or less put a tick on the shot list when I showed him somewhere to shoot it. It was an extraordinary technique. Mm. 
Um, and he was very reluctant to, to do an extra shot because there was a moment where a stuntman said, oh, look, you know, I could do this, this fall here off the ladder. And it wasn't on his list and he didn't want to do it. of Fortuitas. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Tarrant, watch your back. You've been asking questions, haven't you? Sounds as if that's going to be easier said than done. Questions that Fortuitas would rather leave unanswered. Now is the time to act. Can you hear me? Now is the time to build a new destiny. Get back! One that will last. Get off me! One that will prosper. One that will make our planet great again. Blake would have loved it here. The new bunch of extremists to rally against. Caraval, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. My friends, I give you the future. I give you fortuitous. Your friend, Dana, I understand you're looking for her. Blake Seven, Fortuitas. It looks to me as if she's found us. Big finish. We love stories. I have a bad feeling about this, Avon. Now you're starting to sound like villains.